0: Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories of encounters with God. I'm Robin, and I am here with Katie and Lindy. And today, we have Karen's Story from Statesboro, Georgia. And there are some really cool things that we want to share with y'all before we jump into her story. Number one, you're going to hear her reference Robin, and that is not me. (laughs) If you have been a listener of Storytellers Live for a long time, then you know that we have a Statesboro, Georgia team, and their team leader is Robin. And so anytime there is a story that comes out of Statesboro, mm-hmm. that is their team leader that they're talking about and not me. <laughs> <laughs> and they were able to record this. It was recorded a few months ago in mm-hmm. the fall, and there are a few people in the room, and they just brought in a few friends, and it just
1: made us so happy. I to Old times all time. of when we were able to meet and gather. Yes. <laughs> we missed And that. so
0: it was just a few people, but it was enough to make her feel comfortable sharing her story. And then the other cool thing is, you know, a lot of times you ask how we choose our storytellers Mm -hmm. or how we put our stories in order in the podcast. And sometimes, well, all the time it's God. This time it was super God. (laughs) We were uncertain, really, of our next few weeks and how we wanted the podcast schedule to flow. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about it yesterday and we're recording today. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we were still uncertain. We're like, all right, Lord, we're just going to trust you. We're going to record and go. And I was looking through my emails, just making sure I had everything in order. And in my emails, I found a story, this story, mm-hmm. that Robin and Statesboro had emailed me on December 19th. And it actually recorded long before that, but she didn't get it to me until December 19th. Mm-hmm. And- it's Christmas. You know, it just got lost. Yeah. There was no other word than it got lost. And I found it yesterday. Yeah. And when I was looking through, I opened it. I listened to the first five minutes. I called Katie and Lindy and I was like, y'all
1: are not going to believe this. God literally just emailed us our story for today. <laughs> he dropped <laughs> it in our lap for such a time as this. <laughs> That's, you know, honestly, when I first listened to it, I I called and left a message for Lindy and Robin. It was like, oh my gosh, I mean, this is the perfect story for what we are going through as a country. It resonates with so many different people. It's all about fear and what um, the heart of fear is, is distrust and how we just need to learn how to let go, remove ourselves, get out of the way and trust God. You're going to love Karen's story. Here she is.
0: 2020 is behind us. And we're in the new year. Yippee. And if you have been a listener of Storytellers Live for a while, or if you're brand new, you know that we have been partnering with Never Thirst for quite some time. And one of our highlights of 2020 was actually partnering with you and with Never Thirst to build a well in Cambodia. And Never Thirst is a Birmingham based ministry that brings clean water and access to Jesus and the gospel to communities in Asia and Africa. So we want to thank you for partnering with us to build the well in Cambodia. And if you haven't partnered with Never Thirst Yet, we invite you to. You can change the stories of women in need around the world. And one mother, this is so cool, one mother in the DR Congo said, Since we received a water filter for our home, my children can now attend school. And I haven't heard them complaining as they used to. As a mother, I'm grateful and I thank Neverthirst for their generous support to my family because I now have peace. So we're inviting you to give the gift of peace to more women and learn how you can partner with Neverthirst at Neverthirstwater.org today.
2: I grew up in a Christian home. Um, Every time the doors were open at church, we were there. I'm the middle of three girls. So that'll tell you, I'm a middle child. That always played into some of who I am. I was saved at the age of 11 when I felt the Lord tug on my heart and I was thankfully baptized that very same day. I really attribute a lot of where I came to Christ to my mom and the local church and my, and really my little sister. I don't know if she'll ever, if she ever knew that. So then graduate from high school, go to college. This is where I truly believe my faith was challenged and I grew personally in my relationship with Christ. I was involved with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in college. I went to several passion conferences in Atlanta. I went to the Dominican Republic on a mission trip my sophomore year of college. I attended so many peer Bible studies, and this was new for me. I'd always been in Bible studies led by older people or adults. It was really neat to see the iron sharpening iron of peers growing through Bible studies. Actively involved with church and children's ministry as a college student. And then finally, my senior year, um, ended up meeting Brad, the love of my life, on a mission trip to Africa. Graduated from Georgia Southern University with a degree in athletic training and exercise science. If you know anything about athletic training, sports medicine, it's a very hard major. (laughs) And it pushed me in a lot of ways and really stretched me outside my comfort zone and helped me learn a lot of new skills, not just in that profession, but also in the world. I graduated, took a job at a local high school as an athletic trainer. I'll say that experience. There was a lot of tough coaches, but great kids. Love those kids. But after working there a few years, I really just began to feel uneasy. So it was at that time that Lord called me, thankfully, into the ministry to work for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. My whole life, i would loved helping people. i would loved athletics and I love Jesus. So this gave me the opportunity to put them all in one basket and say, here you go. So I felt like God was saying, this is the perfect job for you in your life. And it's been wonderful since then. So that was in 2016. So that was, we sped up to 2016. Began my work with FCA. 2017, kind of floated by. Really learning what it was to be in the ministry. I got engaged that year. Brad had been with me since graduating high school, or not high school, college. And all through working as an athletic trainer and then my walk into the ministry as well. So in 2018, after six years of dating, Brad and I got married on March 16th. And that fall, I was promoted from an area representative to the area director for FCA. And we found out we were pregnant with our baby girl. So 18 was a fun year. In 19, this is really where the story started was last year. Connie was born to us on May 7th of 2019. Only six weeks later, um, after a lot of prayer and discussion, uh, calling, my husband left his job, a blue collar, well, I'll tell you back, a white collar, nine to five job to start his own business with a six week old. And then that fall, I was coming off of maternity leave, trying to get back into work. We were figuring out, balancing schedule with an infant at home, him starting a new job. And really I came to December 15th where I really felt like I hit a wall. I heard the words, you're in the way. I was like, I'm in the way. How? I'm in the way of what? It's very confused. Many of you may be familiar with one word. Um, when I started with FCA in 2016, I found out that this was an idea in a book written by two FCA staff people. And the idea behind it is instead of coming up with a New Year's resolution or something like that, you pray and you seek God's counsel for one word. That really becomes your theme for the year. And this is applied in many different ways. So I started that, that prayed in December of 16 and asked for my word in 17. And the word he gave me was simple. For 2018, it was the word present, being present. 2019, it was the word release. So hitting this wall last December, I really felt like I hit it in ministry. So a lot of that drove me to even more prayer than normal, asking God, what's my word for 2020? And it was in the middle of the night, out of nowhere, I heard the word "remove." So the word for 2020 is removed. So I started asking God, well, now what does this mean? First you tell me I'm in the way. And now you tell me that my word for 2020 is removed. Now let me pause before going on to say, Robin and I had a phone conversation in the beginning of January and we were talking about storytellers. Um, She and a few others, uh, some of who are here tonight, kind of launched this chapter in Statesboro last year. And we were talking about different stories. And I remember where I was at, walking in my neighborhood, when I said this to Robin, I said something like this. I said, I feel like I'm in the middle of my story, but I know it's not over yet. I want to share one day, but I have no idea what this story even looks like. Little did I know what 2020 would hold for me and my family. And right now I know that this season is still far from over. However, I've been learning many lessons through the help of the Holy Spirit. When I talked to Robin the other day preparing for tonight, I started spitting out bits and pieces of a ton of different lessons God had been teaching me. However, in this talk, I really want to focus on one major lesson God has been teaching me over the past year and where He is leading me right now through it. You will hear me say it now. My story is very far from over. But where God has me today is so far from where I was 11 months ago. That is a fact. So let me catch us up again. I found myself at this wall at the end of 19. Walking into 2020, I was very, very overwhelmed. Here we were, an infinite home, trying to find the growth and balance with a new business. And then me and my work just kind of hitting that roadblock. I work for a ministry that does require that we raise 100% of our salary and benefits. When I began with the ministry in 2016, I had an amazing fundraising campaign with assistance of so many people. And that campaign found me with a great financial cushion. However, I did not keep that momentum going. And in the mix of learning to do the work of the ministry, a new promotion, a new husband, a baby, <laughs> I kind of let fundraising slide to the back burner. Fast forward to 2019, when I was coming off of that maternity leave, I was in what some would call a funding crisis. And that's not really a fun place to be. So I had dozens of thoughts and questions flying in my mind. How do I go back to fundraising with an if? My husband isn't bringing in the steady, steady paycheck yet. How will we reliably pay the bills? Not only do I desperately need funds, But the amount I'm required to raise just almost tripled by the fact that my husband and my baby came on my health insurance. And then I also was thinking, all right, I'm an area director now. I've been this a year, but I don't know what that means. How do I be an area director? I'm required to hire staff, but how can I hire staff if I myself am not stable in my funding? So these thoughts and many, many more of just whirling thoughts and prayers led me to that night where God said, remove. So I walked into 2020. I began a new season in my walk with Christ as he revealed with me what that word really means for me. First thing I heard that was that I was in the way of God and that he wanted to work in me and through me. So I needed to remove myself and let him do his work through me. So to begin this journey, I questioned, first of all, why hadn't I moved out of the way before? And what led me, what he led me to was the word fear. So fear is a thing, and many of us uh, deal with this. Fear is a thing that controls our thoughts and our actions more often than not. Fear has many faces, and it can lead us, control us, and own us. These faces can be seen as perfectionism, comparison, unhealthy competition, anxiety, and even control. That last one, control, was the face I often saw as my face of fear. During my readings, I read one time this spring, uh, this lady said, I'm a planner. I'm a problem solver. So when I bring my struggles to the Lord in prayer, I tend to bring my carefully thought out ideas and suggestions for him to choose from. That quote, when I read it, smacked me upside the face and said, that is you to a T. That's where I found myself. I needed to be in control and I needed to find my way with my own answers and to the problems I was having. I was trying to solve everything. So this even bled over a little into my family. As a wife and a mom, I was trying to control things. I wanted to control our finances, our schedules, our health. But what I wanted is I wanted control, but I also wanted God's blessings on my plans. So I looked at all of this, the plans and schedules, and saw that the things I was trying to control were good things. I wasn't trying to control bad things. However, this face of fear, through this face of fear, control had led me to a very unhealthy place personally and spiritually. All of this thinking and examining my fears and need for control led me to an underlying theme that really did hurt me to find. You see, at the heart of fear is distrust. Distrust is the feeling that someone or something can't be trusted. By feeding my fears and need to control things, I was blatantly telling God that I didn't trust Him, And it hurt. I mean, that hurts to sit there when you sit there and think to say, well, I don't trust God. But that was where I found myself. And it, it was a little painful. It was very painful, quite frank. But I was led to a spot in January. Thankfully, it was very early in that struggle in January that clearly showed that I haven't trusted Jesus to be who he says he is, that he will do the things he says he will do. So this required a major lesson that God has taught me this year. And this will be the theme you're going to hear from the rest of my story. And that's trust. Since trust is obviously the opposite of distrust, I quickly started digging into trust and what it meant. God is so amazing, isn't he? Because it's funny. In January, I opened a study um, written by Lisa Turkhurst called Trustworthy. Um, it's a study on 1st and 2nd Kings. And yes, I opened it because it had the title Trustworthy. And I knew, okay, Lord, it's, it's kind of that, here's your sign. Let me open this. So as I began the study walking through these kings of the Old Testament and how the people swung back and forth from serving the earthly gods to serving God. They would cling to these gods, cling to these idols, but then they would also flip right back and cling to God. But it also showed the kings themselves and how faithful one king would be so go to God with everything. Then one king would say, forget you. I'm going to have my idols and gods. And it was back and forth, back and forth. But throughout this whole study, I saw how faithful and trustworthy our God is, no matter how much we turn our backs on him. And I'll tell you, read first, second Samuel, first and second Kings. And you can see what I'm talking about. It is. Kind of get yo-yo brain by seeing how many times they went back and forth. So this study also reaffirmed for me the attributes of God and who he is. It showed how true God really is and how faithful he is to us. So I'm going to name a few of his attributes so I can remind all of you about how true God is. He's unchangeable. That means in everything, he feels emotions like humans, but they are always in line with his sinless character. He's wise. He's wise. He chooses the best goals and ways to accomplish the goals. He's knowledgeable. He knows everything. Nothing is hidden from him. He's righteous. He acts according to what is right. And he's the final standard for what is right. And he's peaceful. He isn't the author of confusion and disorder. Yet he is active in the midst of confusion to bring about his eventually fully controlled order. And wouldn't you know it, about this time the song by Michael W. Smith or that he sang would become very popular that also said... Our God is a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Believe me, when I was going through this and that song would come on the radio, it was like, oh, that's exactly what I need to hear. All those attributes I just read, you can take these things to the bank. You know, that That's what's crazy is I knew all of this about Christ. I've grown up in church. I knew these things. God is these things. You recite them your whole life. So why did I still feel like I needed to control things even though I knew this was my God? Why did I still not fully trust Jesus with my whole life? Although, this is the honesty here, the confession, although I still don't fully understand why I didn't trust God with my whole life, I at least now acknowledge that I didn't. So in my study of those Old Testament kings, I spent a good amount of time on David, the good-looking youngest son of Jesse, who was a shepherd boy who killed Goliath with a single stone. He was an excellent singer and became, and because of that, he got to serve in the presence of the king that he would eventually succeed. He was anointed to be the king of Israel 15 years before he would ever take that throne. But here's the thing. He was a fugitive, a warrior, a brother, a friend, an adulterer, and a murderer. David was human. In spite of all he was as a person, he always gave God credit. Over and over again, in the midst of David's successes and failures, God was faithful to him. In that study that I mentioned by Lisa Turkhurst, she said, when we try to take control, we ultimately leave no room for God to be God. David learned the hard task of releasing control and letting God be God, no matter what those circumstances were. Those attributes that I said a few minutes ago, God had the opportunity to show those to David over and over and over again. Throughout his life, David learned to leave room for God by removing himself so he could trust God fully. Trust. Dictionary says it's the assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. You'll read throughout the life of David that whenever he had a situation or an idea, he went to God first. Really, he went to God and it was neat to see how his life matured as he got older he went, he did go to God first every time, no matter how small, how big the task. Do I need to talk to so-and-so? Should I go to war with so-and-so? He went to God. Before he made any decision, he would go to God and ask for God's blessings on that thing. And God and David trusted God. That trust was so evident in his daily routine. No matter what he was about to put his hand to, he would go to God first. He trusted God to bless it and give him wisdom in every, ma- in every matter of his life. David made room for God to have his way in his life. To learn how to remove myself, first began by trusting God to take care of my life. This includes the ministry he's called me to, but also to my finances, my family, our health, and everything else. Through these circumstances, I have seen the importance of taking everything to God first and trusting him with the outcome. Little did I know where this journey would take me when I started it in January. Because the weeks and months that followed, uh, my quest to fully trust Jesus took my family on a very, very wild ride. So all of this study on removing trust began at the start of this year, 2020. I was able to put more of these lessons into practice when my husband unfortunately broke his foot while running on January 16th. And this really put us into kind of a quick tailspin because his new business he started was a handyman business, very, very full of physical labor. So my husband being the jack of all trades and he's an excellent problem solver. So with that, we were able to make adjustments with the broken foot of how he would continue, but we did have to scale back significantly. So we had, we were six months into the business under our belt. We felt like we were getting the hang of things. Then he breaks his foot and we do have to adjust. Now we had an eight month at home who was just starting to crawl and getting into everything. And I had a husband who was primarily stationary with his foot propped up. Needless to say, grocery pickup became my best friend back in January. As the weeks went by, we were learning to cope. Our baby was growing like a weed and my fundraising really was going okay. That learning to trust God was able to open some doors for me. So February flew by and March quickly approached. And as March approached, we were all hearing whispers of the coronavirus. Still uncertain of what that meant. You just heard the whispers and as it became much, much... So much louder on the news. Somewhere near the end of February, though, Brad began to feel some lumps around his jaw and then generally started to feel a little off. So he went to see his primary care doctor. The lymph nodes were really swollen and they felt like a round of steroids would help, um, help them just go away. So once the round of steroids was over, he felt okay for a couple of days. But then the lymph nodes returned with a vengeance. They grew so fast that he felt like if they were to continue growing, they would close in on his windpipe. He followed up with his doctor immediately, and they felt like an immediate referral was needed. He was referred to an ears, nose, and throat doctor the very next week. God has such a way of placing you in the right hands. Brad met with the ENT on Wednesday. He ordered a CT scan that was completed on Thursday, and we had a follow-up appointment on that Friday. We got a sitter for Connie, and I was able to go with him to that appointment. And the doctor showed us the CT scan of Brad's neck, where we saw several I can't even count them, large lymph nodes on both sides of his neck. The doctor advised for us to have one of the large lymph nodes from Brad's neck to be biopsied, and the surgery was scheduled for the following Tuesday. My mom came that Monday night to stay with Connie so we could get up really early to drive to Savannah for the surgery. Once completed and while Brad was in c- recovery, the doctor came to me in the waiting room and uh, with the news that did not look very good. He said he'd already sent the lo- lymph node off to pathology, and he believed that. We were going to be looking at one of two results. We were either going to be referred to infectious disease doctors or to an oncologist. That procedure took place on March 10th. The rest of that week was a blur as we waited for the follow-up appointment on Friday to hear back from pathology. If anything in the spring, I've learned a lot about waiting. So on Friday, March 13th, in the office of the most amazing ENT, we heard the words for the first time, Brad had lymphoma. We would be moving quickly and had an appointment scheduled with an an oncologist for the following Monday. Little did we realize exactly what was happening all over the world and in our community as March 13th, that very day, was the last day many of our schools would be in session for a very, very long time. Sports were canceling left and right. Our world was changing as rapidly as we were in our own personal lives. So that Monday, March 16th, As we celebrated our second wedding anniversary, we were in a doctor's office learning about the cancer, treatments, and some expectations. Lymphoma is a cancer of the blood and can manifest in the lymph nodes like Brad's did or in the organs. We learned that it was a rapid and aggressive cancer, but the pathology report still was not back. And so in the meantime, the doctor says, while we're waiting, let's go try to get some of the pre treatment um, scenarios done, the pre-treatment um, appointments. So the doctor's goal was for us to have them done in a week. If you've ever tried to get appointments for procedures, you know you can be waiting weeks and months to get these things done. God is sovereign and open doors, and we were able to get all three appointments on the same day. So only two days after meeting with our oncologist for the very first time, Brad and I returned to Savannah early in the morning for him to have a PET scan, an echocardiogram, and have his port put into his chest all on the same day, all that day you heard nurses and doctors say, you've been doing what all day? You got all three appointments on one day. God had his hand on this from the start. So we returned to the oncologist on the following Monday, March 23rd, to hear the doctor tell us that Brad would be admitted immediately to the hospital the following day for his first round of chemotherapy due to COVID. And you'll hear me tell this in a minute due to COVID. Our parents' jobs were all at a standstill. So this allowed them to drop everything and come help us that week by keeping Connie and just helping around the house so I could go be with Brad at the hospital. That week of Brad in the hospital flew by, or it flew by for me. Brad would say, no, it did not. Um, as we were educated on all the drugs they were pumping into my husband's body and the side effects that they would cause, I spent the hours driving back and forth to Savannah, calling friends, my board members, and mentors the entire week. It really was such a blur for me that week. When Brad was released, um, he was released from the hospital after that first round of chemo on Sunday and was scheduled to see the oncologist the following day on Monday. His entire time in the hospital that week, I was able to come and go as I pleased to visit him, bring him food, keep him company. However, on that Monday, due to the state of our world, I was stopped at the door and told I would not be allowed to be with my husband in his daughter's apartment. <laughs> This may have been the first time that it really started to hit me, and our world was in chaos. So for the first time ever in our lives, I was separated from my partner, who was fighting a deadly disease. I knew this would be the part I would cry at. And it may be the part, because this is the part he wasn't with me at. So I remember sitting in the car. I sat in the car, and while Brad saw his daughter, they called me on the phone. So it's kind of neat to be in the car, and the doctor call you, and you telling you. And so I was on that phone call to hear the full pathology report and the actual treatment plan. We got the full diagnosis that Brad had uh, diffused large B-cell lymphoma. This sounds strange, but that really only means something if you've had lymphoma in your family um, to know all those specifics. But because of that, the treatment plan was Brad would undergo six cycles of chemotherapy. Each cycle would be three weeks long. His hospital stay the week before did count as his first cycle, the start of his first cycle. The remaining five cycles would be done outpatient and on a single day. We were told that getting rid of the lymphoma this time would be no sweat. The problems could come in the future though for keeping it away or if the problems would also come if he were to get the cancer again. So our prayer at the start of the treatment was that the chemo would do its job and cancer would be gone after the six cycles. Brad did, however, receive word that he had a Very small percentage chance that if it were ever to come back again, it could return into his spinal cord and brain. Because of this, our oncology team suggested or proposed or really just told us that Brad would undergo three additional treatments during cycles two, three, and six, where he would be admitted into the hospital for three or four days at a time. So it was still six cycles. So for five straight months, I watched my husband drive himself to chemo five times drive himself to and from the hospital stays, have blood drawn multiple times a week, have countless telemed health calls, and experience countless side effects from the drugs being pumped into his body, and all the while trying to be a present husband and father, and work a few small handyman jobs as his body would allow. I watched my husband fight even though I was fight, and even though I was in front of him day to day, cancer is such a personal thing. And there were days I really felt like I was simply a spectator. Brad and I have built our relationship on sharing everything, every thought, every concern, every problem, you name it. So it was hard to feel like an outsider at times. I felt like our mantra, my mantra during the last eight months has been one day at a time. Whenever anyone would ask me how Brad was doing or how I was doing, I would just simply say we're taking it one day at a time. So although in January I started this journey, it was personal for me because it started with work, little did I know that the lessons God would be teaching me on trust then would be strengthened daily through our cancer diagnosis. I'm sure most of you know someone who has cancer in some form. Until this point, I feel like cancer had only touched me from a distance. My grandfather had cancer when I was in high school, but as a 16, 17 year old, it really didn't hit me then. And because he was Lord allowed him to be healed and he's still with us today, a lot of times it still didn't hit me that he ever actually had cancer it was only now that I began to understand the weight of the word cancer as I watched my husband fight it. So here are a few things I learned along the way. There are a ton of types of cancers and treatments, and those treatments affect everyone differently. And so do those cancers. The cancer you have is your own personal silver bullet with your name on it. We quickly realized that without God, this whole process would have been a million times worse. It became a little more clear how suicide could be a common thought for patients or divorce a little easier for spouses to consider when cancer is involved. Daily, we thank God for being an active part in our lives and our marriage and for helping us take it one day at a time. The one recurring lesson that we were called to continually learn as a family was to trust. and That trust was even grown into trust in God's provision. I'm still in awe how God orchestrated our lives to lead up to this year how he has provided over the past years to prepare us for this time. I look back to the foundation of my faith growing up in a Christian home. I see my time in college where I was challenged in my faith as an individual to stand up for my personal relationship with Christ. I met Brad at at a season of opportunity and change, and God allowed us to be together and grow as individuals and as a couple for six years together before getting married. I see my job transition to the ministry that allowed me to work a flexible schedule in order to make my family a priority as we got married and welcomed Connie into our lives. I look back and see where God showed us the timing for Brad's transition out of a secure regular paycheck into his own business. And that immediately resulted in us putting him on my insurance through my job. I see where God has grown us to be frugal and smart with our purchases and savings leading up to, leading up to and preparing for this year. I see where God allowed me to hit a wall in ministry and learn to ask for help and to delegate tasks at the start of the year. I see where God even allowed Brad to break his foot a month and a half before his diagnosis so that he could stop and listen to his body to tell him that something was wrong. I see where we were placed with an amazing team of doctors, from the primary care physicians to the ENTs to the dynamic duo of an oncology team, were able to guide us and direct us throughout the process and eliminate a lot of the guesswork for us. I see where God allowed COVID 19 to eliminate a lot of our worries about my work and allowed our families to be available at a moment's notice. I see how God allowed us to have our baby girl a year earlier to help bring joy and fun into our lives. Without her, I don't know what this year would have been like. We've just been staring at each other in the walls a whole lot more. So Our God is a God we can trust to be faithful and who will provide for our every need. This season has increased my opportunity to go to God with my every wish, prayer, desire, and question, just like David did. God has taught me to pray extreme prayers for specific things and also to make sure I leave room for the Holy Spirit to lead us and work through us. He has given me ample opportunity to get out of the way and to let Him lead me and my family. So, After being on this wild ride, and as I said before, we're not over, I tend to think that everyone will question God at some point as to why something like this would happen to them. But really, I think the better question to ask God is how does he want us to use this season, this experience, tragic event, whatever you want to call it. How does he want us to use it? How does he want to use me? I've heard Brad ask this question several times lately as he's starting to return to work. And looking towards where God might be calling him next. Of course, here's the thing. I don't know the answer to that question right now. But I do know that God is daily leading us on a path to perfectly fulfill His plan and purpose in our lives. The past few weeks, a couple of friends and I have been walking through Paul's letters in the New Testament. After going through Galatians, First and Second Thessalonians, First Corinthians, and now in Second Corinthians... I see where even though Paul did seem boastful at times, his ultimate purpose and goal was to glorify God and share what he had done in his life. Part of his mission in life was to teach others about Christ's faithfulness and our relationship with the Holy Spirit. At the start of this journey, at the start of the story, um, I read to you 1 Corinthians fifteen ten. Since high school, it's weird. I found it in high school and I have claimed it as my life verse. However, in recent months, it's gained a whole new meaning for me. It clearly says that even though I am human and try to achieve things, yes, sometimes it appears that I even succeed on my own. It isn't me. It is through my relationship with the Holy Spirit and by the grace of God that He allows me to succeed through Him and for Him. But all I have to do is trust in His plan and provision for my life. All God asks of me right now is to continue to trust Him. He will provide because He is faithful. He has shown us over and over again how faithful He is to me, and I would... I'd be a fool not to trust Him now. I'd be a fool not to trust Him with my future, my family, my life, the ministry He's called me to, any of this. Now, I'm not naive to say that I'm perfect at it. Um, Oh no, very, very, very far from it. I know there will be days when I try to achieve things on my own power. And when that control factor will still show its little face from time to time. But as long as I know that I'm daily in His Word and spending time in prayer... I will be learning from the best and getting better at trusting Him in every facet of my life.
1: You know, one of the things Karen did there at the end was reference her life verse from 1 Corinthians 15, 10. And, you know, I'd love to, to look at a verse in different translations. And I wanted to read to you guys the translation from the message, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 15. It says, But because God was so gracious, so very generous, here I am. And I'm not about to let His grace go to waste. Haven't I worked hard trying to do more than any of the others? Even then, my work didn't amount to all that much. It was God giving me the work to do. God giving me the energy to do it. And you know, right there, Paul is talking to the Corinthians. And I think of Paul and just who he was before he met Jesus on that road to Damascus, and how he, of all people, knows what grace really means, and how, you know, we were created for God, by God, first of all, but for Him. And you know, I think that what we forget is we we think our lives are our own. We want to we want to run our lives. We want to control our lives. We want to, as she said, take our plans to Him and have Him bless <laughs> those plans. I think Robin was going to speak a little bit about that. But I I just really and like I said at the beginning of this story, just for such a time as this, to understand, you know, there's only one who is in control. There's only yeah. one who is the King of Kings, and there's only one that we need to trust and lean into. And so that's why I just really was so thankful God dropped this story in our lap at the last minute, literally mm-hmm. the last minute, because I think this is where he wanted to put it for each one of you to hear this story of trusting him.
0: Yeah. Like Katie just mentioned, when she talks about going ahead with her plans and mm-hmm. then asking the Lord to bless them, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of it kind of took my breath away. Yeah, I went, oh, I do that all oh, the time. Mm-hmm. I am so quick to go, go, go. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm capable, I'm efficient, I can do these things. And then it's like, and Lord, I know you're with me, Mm -hmm. instead of reversing and listening and pausing. And then... He does bless our plans, but it's a whole lot better if we follow if we his plans before Him first, instead yeah. of using our own. And the, the wild thing to me is that our church right now is doing 21 days of <laughs> fasting and prayer. And so there's a six o'clock church service every morning right now. And I woke up this morning and I watched it and our pastor said <laughs> the exact same thing. He said, so often we run ahead and ask God to bless our plans. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, <laughs> you hear it twice in a 24 hour period. You gotta listen. Yeah.
1: You know what really jumped out to me when when Karen was talking about how the Lord orchestrated those three appointments on the mm-hmm. same day? And I and I thought to myself, because I, th- I think back to my own story of when I was going through breast cancer and I just saw God show up in the mm-hmm. details. And that was part of my story. He is yeah. in the details of your life. And so if if you're going through a trial or you have gone through a trial, in my opinion, one of the most beautiful things is to look back, don't miss where God shows up in the details, because that is where he's trying to just slowly allow us to release our control mm-hmm. and to give over our distrust and fear to him. Yeah.
0: yeah, and Karen does such a great job of that, of giving... Yeah giving those specific
1: details where he showed up. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the other things that I just thought was so um, interesting is she talked about having a word of the oh, year. Yeah. And and the three of us have been talking about, you know, our word of the year. And in fact, we, 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 we did. And I'm <laughs> sure on Instagram, if anybody was on Instagram in the month of December, you saw a word search where you were supposed to find four words and, and those <laughs> were your four words of the year. And what is funny is, is you know, we sent that around and we had these four words pop up. and um, And what it made me think of was, You know, on Patreon, we are doing Inside Storytellers. And our conversation today on Inside Storytellers (laughs) is about those four words Mm -hmm. that showed up for each one of us. So if you want to go and listen to what our four words were, you can go to patreon.com forward slash STL community, or you can go to our Instagram account at Storytellers Live Podcast, and you can find out how to join Patreon. It's just a, a wonderful way for you to get more information, for you to get discovery guides and new podcasts and stories within the story for only five or ten dollars a month and and honestly that that money goes to just help us to spread the word about our ministry and and how stories are so powerful and how God just draws others to him through that
0: thanks for joining us today and if you want updates we send out a weekly email as well as being on social media and it's just podcast updates every week sometimes we drop in patreon information and fun news then you can just go to our website at storytellerslab.org to email sign up it's super easy We don't over send emails because we don't have the time for that. (laughs) So thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the story. We love when you share it with friends. And when you rate and review on iTunes, it actually really helps us on the Apple podcast app for you to rate and review. So thanks so much and have a great day. Bye.